In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the evening everyone and welcome to another edition of ghost chronicles next generation i am ron kolak your hope the hope for the hope for the hope <laughs> whatever keep going going on zone van helsick with me my co-host all the way from the beautiful city of east wherever it is um, water. yeah we're okay and the kerrigan the blonde bombshell there you go <laughs> Hey, how are you? That was so professional. That was a pathetic opening. Yeah, I'm trying to get this guy on the line here and not uh, have Uh-oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> so anyways. Well, you'll never guess where I was this afternoon. Cemetery? Nope. <laughs> That's a change. <laughs> Horse corral. What the hell is that? <laughs> we were filming a show at a stable here in the beautiful metropolis of East Bridgewater. Was it haunted? No. <laughs> Why are you no, telling me this? I don't know, because it's different. Not everybody spends the afternoon with horses running around and prancing around and filming a guy playing a guitar and the harmonica sitting on top of a horse. Whatever. That was my afternoon. <laughs> Sounds pretty lame, but it was fun. I'm sure it was. Yeah, it was or fun. Lame people. Oh, oh, oh! Thanks a lot. What hey, were you I'm, doing this afternoon? I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Hey. Unlike you, I was working. <laughs> that was my work. That was my work. That was no one problem. of our one of our producers. He's a country western singer. His name his name is George Lopes. Just going to give him a plug. He's really George Lopes, L-O-P-E-S. Lopez? Huh? Lopez? Lopez? No, he's Lopes. Oh. Lopes. Very sweet guy and uh, kind of doing this, you know, late in life, entering a musical career. and. Uh, oh, he's trying to do this professionally? Well, yeah, he does, sing, he does sing professionally, but he does a show on our local cable channel. Called? And uh, Two Tones. I'm sure it is. T-W-O. T-O-N-E-S, two tones. So anyways, that's what I did this afternoon. That's it was so a lot nice. of fun. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I can tell. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. You got this okay. guy on the line yet? What are you doing? No, 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 no. I have not got this guy on the line yet. If oh, I had him goodness. on the line, I wouldn't be Jim Jim. Yeah, I've got him on the line. Oh, bloody hell. Awesome! <laughs> <laughs> 
before uh, before we bring in our guest, I, I just want to know that uh, you are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ian and Ron. And please join us on our, uh, what is that? Our Facebook page is Ghost Chronicles-Next Generation. Yeah. And we are so excited because on the 4th of July, we hit 200 fans. And now we're up to 206. We're really excited. 200 suckers. Uh, anyways, <laughs> if you have a question, you can uh, join us in the chat room as well on TojiNet. But also, uh, I just want to let you guys know that I, I, you know, Halloween will be here before you know it. So I posted the instructions on how to make a uh, haunted toilet snow globe on our <laughs> Facebook page. So if you really want to get something really neat for uh, Halloween, um, I posted these instructions, and, and you can, you know, because, you know, economy's tough, too, so you can save a couple bucks and make these haunted toilet snow globes. So the instructions are on uh, okay. Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Really? So, so anyways, really? this guy is, is, is after midnight in the uh, the U.K., so... Oh, so we had to wake him up. Yeah, I know. What, That's um, why? Well, you woke me up, so it's the least you could do. <laughs> but anyways, he is he is a great guy. Uh, at least that's what I've been told. Uh, he is a, a... Are you a parapsychologist? Uh, well, not strictly, no. Um, but under the American system, you call uh, your ghost, your psychical researchers, parapsychologists. So I uh -huh. guess, as it's an American show, then yes. Okay. A great uh -huh. UK parapsychologist, Mr. Steve Parsons. Yay. Yay. Hi, Steve. Hi, yeah. <laughs> How are you? Uh, no, no, good, that, good morning, you... good evening. It's actually tomorrow where I am, so okay. I, I'm talking to you from the future. All right. I, I can never get that. I, I can't figure that out. I, I just can't. As Mr. As, as Mr. Felix would no doubt say, that's paranormal. <laughs> In reality, then, time doesn't exist then, right? Uh, well, not here it doesn't, no. And certainly, and certainly not after four espressos. Uh, yeah, and the queen on the throne. Oh, my goodness. Four espressos. You're never going to sleep. Yes, uh, we have King Charles III on the throne now. No, you don't. You, you Do won't you? have heard of that yet, though, because I'm speaking to you from the future. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so I, I have, actually have a, a real important question uh, for you, which... Shoot. Uh, Manchester United or the New England Revolution, who will win? Uh-oh. Ooh, now you're talking to somebody who doesn't like football, uh, doesn't, and as, uh. as an ex-Merseysider, so a Liverpool uh, from Liverpool, so Liverpool-Manchester, I'd go with New England. All right. We, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Can we say that? Oh, we did. So, so anyways, um, Mr. Parson, would you like to introduce yourself? I mean, because I, I started looking at your website, which is, I should have put that out there, shouldn't I? Uh, it's on I our website. That? It's um, www.parascience.org.uk. Thank you very much. Right. Okay. Did I get that right? Yeah. You did. Bang on. Awesome. <laughs> and there's, there's a lot of really, really good stuff on it. And uh, Now, you were on uh, Most Haunted as well, correct? Uh, yes, for a, for a while in Series 8, I had the dubious honour of being Kieran's stunt double. Um, <laughs> while, while, while he was uh, living between France and, and Britain, um, they required somebody relatively competent to step into his, uh, his shoes, and I just about fitted the bill. All right.
Right. It's a very, very difficult act to follow, follow Kieran. But, Ron, um, you're obviously suffering from a short memory syndrome because this is the third time I've been on your show. Really? Uh, once with Kieran, uh, just before he came over to the States, and mm-hmm. also with uh, Richard on Ghost Chronicles International. Really? Was I there? And you were. <laughs> More importantly, was I there? <laughs> I don't know, because well, t- time is relative, I guess, so that's, uh, we can go back to that. Someone uh, wasn't paying attention. <laughs> like I ever do. So uh, many guests, so many guests. But, but Steve, seriously, I mean, you were on Most Haunted, which is a pretty big TV show in uh, the UK for about 10 seasons or so. Uh, it's it's still I mean it still does the rounds of repeats it's still a has a huge following that's that's for sure although nowadays it's become almost uh, trendy amongst paranormal investigators to to knock most haunted and, and similar shows uh-huh. uh, quite often it's uh, the case oh we don't do it like they do it on television we do like it properly, that, but, and, properly but they're all they're all still secret fans they all howled the place down when it's when it was taken off air. And mm-hmm. came to an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think they missed the night vision. I think they missed the screaming. That's the screaming in the desert and the running. The screaming and the running. The running about in the dark. The throwing of stones. <laughs> the light anomalies. But you know what? That that series did a lot for uh, the paranormal. I mean, it, it really it really pushed it to the to the the forefront, especially in the UK. And and you know what? That was my favorite show of all times. And Mine too. Probably, and I'm going to get a lot of crap for that because, you know, the ghost hunters, ghost adventurers, ghost whatever we have. we got 6,000 of them here. But, <laughs> but seriously, that was, a, that was a really a fun show to watch, and, and I really do mean that. There was, there was some interesting things. Um, whether it was entertainment or not, whether it was real or not, it, that isn't even important. It, it was definitely entertainment. It was definitely enjoyable to watch. You actually learned some stuff, and you certainly learned about history and so much. So I really enjoyed that show. And, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm really not. I'll stand up and beat my chest and say it. So I just did. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> There I can't you really can. answer that because I can't say that was an advert for a, for a series that doesn't exist anymore. But it was yeah. fun being on it as well. And <laughs> I, I suppose it, it is, uh, from my perspective, uh, shows like Most Haunted um, have been a bit of a double-edged sword because with the, with the explosion in interest that they created and the, the spin-off shows that resulted from it, both here in the UK and and in the States and elsewhere. Australia has got uh, a number of shows now as well. Mm-hmm. It has meant that uh, it's become much more difficult to undertake real investigations. By real, I mean uh, where we don't have to pay three figures to be in the building, mm-hmm. uh, where there aren't 2,000 paranormal investigation <laughs> groups. Uh, the field has become a lot busier than it was before Most Haunted. Uh, so, from my perspective, right. in some respects, it's been a double-edged sword. It, it, that's true. true. I mean, yeah. e- even in the United States, and I'm sorry, and I mean, you, you contributed this to with your East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. <laughs> uh, but sir, I actually have my own TV show over 10 years ago uh, called The New England Ghost Project, oddly enough, and it was odd. Uh, but anyways, it, it was... It was enjoyable, and when I when I did it, there was you know there was twenty four ghost groups in the country. Now there's twenty four in any block in any city. Right. <laughs> but yeah. uh, it, and the thing is, 
is that good or bad? And you kind of touched touched on it. First of all, a lot of places now charge a lot of money to go where you would, you know, just say, I'd like to investigate it. Oh, you're with most haunted. Please come in, mm-hmm. you know, and bring your kids with you, too. Uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, so that way it, it's it's definitely driven a cost. But I, I think some of these, this, the funds have preserved some of these places as well. So I, I don't know. I mean, what, what's your what's your whole thought about that? I, I want to say it is a double-edged sword, Ron. Um, personally, uh, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I enjoy uh, the the television access and the mm-hmm. the ability that the television budgets have to get into locations and to and to to bring it to a mass market. Uh, when when I was on the show and when I know with Kieran, we see our role very much as an educator role um, within the show. The show is a primarily entertainment-driven show, but it does give us the opportunity to put some some of the real aspects of ghost hunting. I don't. I, I honestly don't believe it's possible uh, within the context of a television show to to accurately. Uh, portray a real paranormal investigation, a real ghost hunt, because frankly, I think the audience would be bored to death within five minutes. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, but what you can do, certainly with television, is give people a flavour of, of what it's about, give them an idea of the sort of experiments that can be done, the work that, that can be uh, undertaken as an investigator. And then it has also allowed large numbers of them to say, hey, I can do this too. Because paranormal investigation, ghost hunting, it's, it's not a new, a new pastime. It's not a new phenomena. It's certainly been, I mean, people have been hunting for ghosts as long as people have had ghosts, which is two millennia or more. And I was actually going to mention that, uh, Steve, is, is my book, uh, Goes Today. One of the uh, chapters in it, or one of the entries in it, is about the f- first documented case of ghost hunters. It goes all the way back to ancient Greece. And it's well documented. Uh, oh, I think we can go back further than that now. Um, <laughs> Kieran and I actually run a series of um, study days and online, shortly to become online courses as well, uh, which break down ghost hunting. And one of the courses is actually ghostology. Um, which which looks at the history and the context of, of ghost hunting. And I, even I was surprised. I always used to say that, uh, I think you were referring to Pliny uh, and the case of Athenodorus, exactly. you know, which was written down 50 AD. But mm. interestingly, and only, only in the last few days, uh, going through Pliny's letters, have discovered that he not only refers to the antiquity of ghosts, but he also describes uh, ghost stories that he himself uh, says happened five or six hundred years ago before. Um, So it goes back an awful long way. Um, Certainly as long as people have been hunting ghosts, uh, as long as people have been reporting ghosts, sorry, there have been people who have been only too interested in in looking for them. But to return to the, the, the most haunted question. Oh, yeah, um, I do that. I, I apologize. I, I kind of wonder. No. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, a, it was a relevant wondering. Um, it's... Uh, <laughs> no, I got you. <laughs> People tended to when we had the the, the sort of the great ghost hunters, uh, the British ghost hunters. I'm referring to Harry Price, uh, oh, yeah. Jad Herowood Carrington, and others. Um, 
people tended to read the books avidly, tune into the radio broadcasts and say, you know, that's fascinating, I'd love to do it. But it was, it was quite a closed, quite a closed uh, activity. Uh, the Society for Psychical Research, the American Society of Psychical Research, and one or two key ghost hunters pretty much held the field. But programmes like Most Haunted, Ghost Hunters, uh, we have other names for them over here, but Ghost Hunters, um, <laughs> they've, they, they've showed people that, that actually, you know, great contributions uh, to understanding of man's experience can be made by amateurs. I mean, in all of the fields of science, astronomy and archaeology and lots of others, it's been the amateur that's made the initial discovery and science has come along later, mopped up and claimed all the credit for it. <laughs> uh, so, you know... It, well, it wait, wait a minute. Let me, let, let me, before you move on from that, you said the amateur. But, I mean, you've got to realize that when science really started, it was the amateurs who were the scientists. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Men of science and learning are, are a relatively new phenomena. Um, that said, though, there are still aspects of modern ghost hunting where it's some of the activities that, that, that they're, or some of the theories that they're putting forward and their methodologies are actually alienating science. Whereas Harry Price would spend his entire life uh, as a psychical researcher trying to promote links with academic science and saying to these people, look, you need to take this seriously. You need to research this. Uh, some, of the, some of the modern techniques really, I think, are more apt to alienate science and, and can work against any links with parapsychology, physics, and other related sciences. Right. But, I mean, let, let's face it. very tactful. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's face it. You know, people like you and Karen O'Keefe and Lloyd Arbach and some of the other parapsychologists, I mean, that deal with the ghosts, I mean, they're looked down upon because... You know that that's not really accepted, and the reason is they rather put their their time and effort into ESP astral projected. The, the, the reason being is that there's some money in that. You know, government can spy. Gov- you know, you could use this for that. And, and versus ghosts, I mean, you all right, you prove ghosts, but uh, how do we make money on that? You know, I mean, that's what it's really driven. I think the scientific community rather than uh, than I think. Uh, you know, just the, the moral fiber of it. Because, well, there is no moral fiber in science anyways. Take that back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, my response to that would be that um, there are very, very few. I mean, we live in a, in, in a, in a society where, or in, in a culture, uh, where there are, there are an awful lot of ghost hunters who call themselves parapsychologists. No, give you a break. But, it's like mediums and psychics. Everybody's but, a medium and psychic. But, Yeah, but there are very, very few parapsychologists who will happily label themselves as ghost hunters. Mm -hmm. Um, Kieran is is one of the very few exceptions. There are one or two others, Dr. Simon Sherwood here in the UK, uh, Lloyd Auerbach over over your side. But in the main, parapsychologists, they tend to 
they tend to stick in their laboratories and do safe science with the Gansfeld experiments and uh, other areas where they know they can get their funding from. They need to get out more. They need to spend nights in scary houses and freeze cold and come and see what it's all about. Mm-hmm. Because spontaneous case research, really, it's much more challenging than laboratory-based uh, uh, parapsychology because within the, within that sort of the the, the ivory towers of academia uh, they can devise experiments where they can control all of the variables uh, they can devise perfect double blind experiments uh-huh. I'd, like to, I'd like to come back to that as well um, but we have to control chaos we have to deal with real situations as they arise and try to a gain some information um, or some evidence from that situation um, and also to try and control it uh, to some extent. So we've got a far harder job uh, than, than these uh, lab, ca- lab rats. Is anybody doing any research with theoretic research, which means, you know, uh, non-physical? And... Kieran would be better placed to answer that question than I because he's much more in touch with the academic parapsychology than I am. I'm not actually aware of any um, off the top of my head. Kieran might be, but I'm not really sure. But let's be honest, isn't all parapsychology (laughs) theory-based? Well, it's true. I mean, when you think about any science, I mean, let's, let's face it, if you, you start out with a theory is what you do, and you're either going to disprove it or approve it. Is, is, is that correct or, or not? I, or, are you, so, or are you just well, collecting well, evidence? No. Well, no. Yeah, well, so I, I work on, on, the, on the, principle, the, the basic principles of science, and that first one is observation. Right. And from observation then comes the theorizing, the hy- developing the hypothesis. Right. Then becomes the experiment, test the hypothesis, evaluate the results, ret- uh, modify the hypothesis, and keep right. working through that process. So I'm, I'm very much evidence-led um, as opposed to uh, theory-led. Well, okay, you say evidence-led, but okay, so let, let's say you observe something. Uh, and by observing it over a great period of time, say, you, you come up with a theory. Is that correct? That's, that's the, yeah, that's the way I work. That's okay. the way I think all science should work. And so once you have that theory, then you either look to prove that theory or disprove that theory. If, I mean, for instance, let's talk about uh, uh, dowsing. Okay, uh, pendulum dowsing. Okay. All right. So okay. pendulum dowsing, uh, Karen's theory is, and in, 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 I'll be damned if I can remember what it's called, but it's basically uh, nerves and uh, uh, muscles that move the pendulum. Voluntary muscle control. You know, there's, yeah, there's another name for it, too. But, <laughs> but anyways, so, I mean, so he says, okay, uh, the pendulum is, you, you can douse with the pendulum because you are involuntarily, or voluntary, it depends, but say involuntary, uh, moving that pendulum with minute muscles or nerves in your hand. <laughs> so, I mean, if you take, go along that logic, then wouldn't the next thing to do is say, okay, what particular nerves and muscles are moving that pendulum? 
But no one does that. No one does that. They just throw the theory out there and say, okay, yeah, it's because of this and this, but they don't prove it. But but the involuntary muscle, uh, con- uh, the use of uh, involuntary muscle, micro-muscle uh, control mm-hmm. has been demonstrated time and time again. Um, in uh, Faraday did a, did a wonderful experiment back in the 1840s, 1850s, where he, he actually set up a, a table tip experiment, okay. which demonstrated quite clearly that the table was being pushed by the sitters under this involuntary muscle control. Um, yeah. we, 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 we fully understand how, the physiology. How? How? Wait a minute. How? This well, is what I want to understand. I want to learn. Well, I, I, well, you know, I have a it? science background, too. I want to know the, the who, what, when, where. I mean, that's okay. more... Well, how is actually quite simple, because we do understand the anatomy and physiology of the human musculature. Uh, and so it, it's very easy to say, well, the muscles involved will be the following groups um, based upon the motion. You can, you can back, back work it to which muscle groups are involved. Um, so that's quite a, that's quite but you, a simple you're not proving it. You're just basically saying this group's work, these muscles, so therefore it must but be these muscles that are moving the table. But in dowsing, it's a much more interesting question because dowsers themselves have always acknowledged that they are the, the they are supplying the, the motive force to the hazel rod or, or the, the pendulum or the other mechanism, and that, right. that is simply being used as an indicator uh, of these exactly. small muscle movements that, that ordinarily wouldn't be seen. Um, what, they, what they're actually saying is that they themselves are responding to the energy from the water, from the from the, the, the material that they're dousing for, and that the stick is simply a pointer that's driven, that's amplifying these involuntary, these minute involuntary muscle movements. So we don't really need to understand uh, uh, the mechanism of muscle movement because that's already well understood. What we really need to, to the question we should be asking is, by what means, by what mechanisms can these subterranean waters or other sub uh, materials or indeed in some cases spirits ghosts which are also claimed to be dousable right. how could they affect the human percipient and cause these small uh, motor movements mm-hmm. and that's actually a, i had a gentleman a, on my show who uh, i forget he's a doctor at the uh, at cambridge university in fact he's the uh he is the the guy that uh, the Tom Hanks character in uh, The Da Vinci Code is based upon. Right. And I, I oh, we have to take a break. That's some music. Oh, well. Mm, I hear it. I just heard it now. So anyways, uh, Steve, I'm sorry. I'll continue that. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anna Ron. Our very special guest is Steve Parsons. And we'll be right back after the following messages on TojiNet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. The American Rock and Roll Countdown with Alex Price. Now this Saturday morning, we're going to count them down one more time from number 40 all the way to number one with the official classic hits countdown, the American Rock and Roll Countdown. 
We'll count down the biggest hits of the 70s with interviews and artist information, news, weather, sports, you name it, we'll have it this Saturday morning, 9 o'clock Eastern, right here on Toginet for the American Rock and Roll Countdown. The American Rock and Roll Countdown on Toginet. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from their competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDuswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Duswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Tugginet.com. Welcome back to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron and Ann and our very special guest, parapsychologist Steve Parsons. Hey, there we go. Anyways, I do want to give a shout-out because we have another gentleman from the U.K. who's still up at this crazy hour of the night, and that's Cal Cooper. Yes, he's in that chat room. Hey, Cal. You know Cal, Steve, don't you? I do. Cal and I go back a long way. Um, How, How can you? He's like half your age. As, as, as my colleague Anne said uh, at the last uh, conference of the SPR, he can't know much. He's only 12. There you go. <laughs> Morning, Cal. <laughs> hey, Cal is actually um, researching and has become an expert in phone calls from the dead, so I'm wondering whether he actually is alive at this time or not. Or it's one of, his, one of his calls from the dead. No doubt I'll get a Facebook message tomorrow and he'll tell me. There you go. <laughs> So, I mean, can they? Can the dead go in the chat room? Have Ooh, you're asking you now? Ask now we, you know, I, don't know. Cal, I think I do Cal, think we have a few dead like people in there. So, Ooh, that was pretty low. <laughs> no, just kidding. Anyways, you know what? Give me a second here. Hang on, hang on a second. Okay, everybody, calm. Okay, feet flat on the ground. Okay, deep breaths. Yeah. Are there any dead people listening to this show? We would like you to join us in the chat room. As long as you mean it's no harm. And you log in. And you log in. And you're not using pink. All right, never mind. <laughs> so anyways, <laughs> our very special guest is Steve Parson, uh, parapsychologist. I hope you don't mind me calling you a parapsychologist. And uh, his website is www.parascience.co.uk because they can't spell .com evidently. No, it's .org.uk, but we won't call right. Oh, darn. I'm sorry about that. There's too many things for me to remember. My oh, brain is not that. Man. It's got too many things. So, anyways, I forgot what the hell we were talking about. I know it was something we're really interesting. We were talking about devising a hypothesis and testing. You, it, we were actually uh, going through dousing, but oh, your, we your, your point of observing a phenomena... Um, and then devising a hypothesis and then going on to test it. Oh, right. Was exactly um, the me- what led us to the experiments uh, that were done during 2009 and 10, which I think have definitively 
finally, once and for all, crushed the orb. That annoying little bubble oh, of light no, no. <laughs> up periodically on digital Steve. photographs. Steve, Steve, Steve. Is dead. Steve really? is not dead. It is. Very no, dead. Steve. Steve, it's only because you are looking at you going down one particular route, no, and you got to you got to <laughs> understand the spiritual end as well. I mean, that's the problem. That's the problem with science and and. No, 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 no. I I, I understand what you're saying, Ron. Absolutely mm-hmm. understand what you're saying because up until last year, there was always uh-huh. the get. There was always a get out because we could never absolutely, definitely prove that they were mundane, that they you weren't can't. paranormal. You can't. But we can. We can now. You can. And how we how we did it was quite simple because the hypothesis was that orbs are merely uh, dust, insects, moisture, and other airborne detritus floating past the camera. Mm-hmm. And people would say, well, mm-hmm. I've taken two pictures, one after the other, and it was there and it wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't say, with, with the technology available, well, you know, we know that they're dust, but... I know where this is going. <laughs> absolutely prove it. Until the advent of 3D digital photography. I knew you were going to say that. If an orb appears on one side of the picture and doesn't appear on the other, it cannot be anything but dust. And in a series of 1,000... Well, it's now over 2,000 pictures of orbs. Mm -hmm. Not one single orb has ever appeared in the same place on either side of the stereo pair of pictures. Mm-hmm. Thereby, absolutely proving the mm-hmm. point that they're floating around bits mm-hmm. of dust. Cool. Nope. Yeah. I think it's. It I, only proves that yeah. the pictures you took that none of those orbs were uh, spiritual. That's all it uh, proves. Well, you, just yes. because you're just because correct. you can it, produce it something scientifically proved. does not mean <laughs> that a particular orb taken at a time wasn't spiritually because you certainly weren't there. Uh, well, I, mm-hmm. I, what was uh, interesting is out of the two thousand uh, series of over two thousand pictures that were taken, mm-hmm. a lot of all of them were taken during. Uh, paranormal investigations mm-hmm. that involved mediums, that involved members of the public, who were all unaware of what the camera was doing. And on several occasions, we have the testimony of a medium who mm-hmm. said that the, the orb in the picture actually showed the spirit, in one case, of mm-hmm. a little girl called Annie, this was taken in Ireland, and he absolutely categorically stated that that picture, uh, which he saw on the on the screen of the camera, was mm-hmm. exactly in the place and was the orb manifestation of the little girl. Until we showed him the split stereo image, where, mm-hmm. of course, there wasn't. And you know what I'm going to say, don't you? What? The medium all, was mad? All that proved <laughs> that medium was wrong. <laughs> But, but as, as we put at the end of the research, we're never, ever going to fa- uh, finally convince the, no. the, the old believers. No, people uh, will so, always fight for that. And so what we have done is prove or demonstrate an overwhelming uh, certainty mm-hmm. that, the, that, that 
the orb as seen by the digital camera and as presented on website after website by paranormal groups and paranormal television programs the world over is absolutely mundane. And it's important that we, that we keep on putting this point that it's mundane because mm-hmm. how much time and effort are investigators wasting on this normal phenomena and being diverted from real phenomena, real things that we should be studying and looking, looking at, instead of wasting our time filling the internet full of silly pictures of light bulbs and blobs of dust, when <laughs> there are far more interesting phenomena that we should be going after and trying to understand. Okay. You know, I, I completely agree with you, and, and I actually, yeah. I absolutely hate orbs, okay? Because <laughs> I know in my heart that that orbs give me dust powders, the whole spiel, I know all that. But yet, you run into person after person, and we're not talking paranormal investigators here, okay? We're talking about just people. And they will show you a picture with an orb in it, and they'll say, okay, that's my cousin Louie. Okay, (laughs) and they will be 100% sure it's their cousin Louie. Right. So, I mean, that's where, where you, you run into the spiritual end of it, where uh, you, you can never prove it. It's- no, you, you will never. I mean, as, 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 as a psychical researcher, I mean, you're actually caught between two camps. I find myself regular. I mean, I have two, two enemies uh, or, or two sort of groups of people who oppose very much what I do. I mean, on one side, we have the... Uh, you know, we have the scientists. These people have prejudged paranormal phenomena. Right. Um, and while still claiming to be scientists, uh, they're actually, uh, you know, they, they've come down, it's, it's not paranormal. They, they've prejudged it. They have determined that it's not a paranormal, and they set out to convince you that they're right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And, on the, and in the other camp, of course, you've got the believers who believe that, you know, it doesn't matter however faked, however silly uh, the evidence might be, it still is, you know, the picture of, of Cousin Frank or Cousin Freddy. Right. And you're caught in the middle because both sides are actually wrong. It doesn't mean that you're necessarily right, but... Right. but these, these dogmatic, highly polarised views are not helpful. They're not going to progress our knowledge forward in any way. Uh, you have to be absolutely open-minded. We don't yet understand simple, uh, simple questions. What, what actually is a ghost? Are ghosts and spirits uh, the mechanisms that they operate by? Because ghosts, let's face it, are not evidence of survival of bodily death, although a lot of people... Assume and unbelieve that's true. That they are. There are and many ghosts, theories what ghosts are. To- totally, I mean, you know, ghosts could could quite simply be um, a hallucination. They could be a time event. Beings. They could be a whole raft of different phenomena. Exactly. Just because we see a human figure in a, a human form in the same room as we are, and we call it, we label it a ghost, it is no evidence of the survival of bodily death. We do have, uh, you know, spirits. Spirits are supposed to be um, the returning souls you know, from the 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 far from the other country, from from the other side. Um, Summerland it has lots of titles. Now, what what also surprises me is 
in recent years, and really only since the advent of television, have we got mediums who, have, who are in the field ghost hunting. And I've always wondered why they're there, because up and for 150 years they were quite happy in the seance room talking to the spirits <laughs> of the deceased. <laughs> then all of a sudden they come out looking for ghosts, which has got to be the craziest thing ever, because if they're looking for proof of survival then they already have it and have had it for 150 years. Exactly. And it always amazes me when I come across a medium on a ghost hunt who jumps because <laughs> the ghost has appeared in the room with them, even though they've been saying there's something in the corner and then, oh, my God. Or worse, the medium who pays lip service to being a sceptic. I like to look at it from a scientific point of view, but as a medium... Yeah. It, it, it just strikes me as, as bizarre that they're there because mediums, have, mediums and spiritualists have a different role to fulfil in their quest for understanding and answering paranormal questions. Um, and they should really leave ghost hunting to the ghost hunters. <laughs> you, you know what's I, interesting? Oh, go ahead, Ian. I've been I mean, yeah, well, I was going to say, okay. I can see having a medium there for verification, you know, for the other people. But, I mean, for uh, someone who's a psychic or a medium to come out and say, oh, well, I'm a skeptic, is totally uh, redundant. It's opposite, you know? It is opposite. But over here, if you go on a, a public access ghost hunt or, or TV ghost hunt, quite often the mediums are playing a very, very clever game nowadays with, with parapsychologists because the medium will nick all of the, all of the lines from the parapsychologist. <laughs> They, they will say, well, yes, of course, I, I, I know what Kieran or Steve are about to say, I, uh, that, 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 that the orbs are dust and that uh, EMF affects the brain, but I'm, the very few, very small percentage of cases where it isn't, uh, I can verify that it's, that it's paranormal. And then when it comes to you know, us putting the sceptical point of view, they've pinched the line. <laughs> so, so we're left going, well, yeah, just what the medium said, really. Um, but the, uh, it's a very, very clever game that they're playing. I mean, mm. mediums are, you know, they have a role. Um, I'm not denigrating them. I've worked with many, and they have a different set of talents and, and a different set of questions to address. They're addressing questions directly of survival. Uh, can some aspect of the human spirit survive bodily death and return and communicate with the living by some mechanism through a seance room or by some electromechanical or electrophysical way? But we're looking for something that, that may be a completely separate phenomena, the phenomena of the apparition or the ghost. Um, and to muddle the two up has ended up with a really confused field because a lot of people believe that ghosts are dead people who've come back uh, and are, you know, evidence of, of bodily death. You now have an awful lot of ghost hunters who are effectively taking the seance into the haunted house and are walking around the place going, talk to my EVP recorder or uh, spell out letters or let's get this um, very cheap radio that's been tinkered with and <laughs> I'm not going to <laughs> and could talk to the dead because we've seen it done on television and or loosen the lens and a flashlight or, you know, <laughs> or stick or, or fiddle around with a with a very inexpensive video camera and flog it to the insane as full spectrum 
Um, all of these, you know, it's, it's become the sounds room in the haunted house. You've got the mediums from the sounds room in the haunt. It, the whole thing is such a model that, that, you know, maybe we need to sort of take a few steps back and uh, relook at the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, um, be honest with you, since I've been doing this, I constantly changing my thoughts on the field, on what goes silent. And to me right now, I think the paranormal, whatever it is, is basically a personal experience. It is, whether by, by design or not, but I mean, for instance, if you go into a, a extremely haunted, I know, what's a, a real popular one in the UK? Um, Rocky Jail or something? Uh, I would say Woodchester Mansion is quite popular. We okay. have so many over here now, okay. but Woodchester so Mansion. Woodchester Ma- Mansion, and, and you go night after night with group after group, and yet not every single person in those groups experience something paranormal. Only mm-hmm. a certain percentage, whatever that may be, because I haven't done the, the study on it. So why are those particular persons having the paranormal experience? Well, that's a question that, that, that uh, intrigues me, and certainly what, one of the things that we can look at, or some of the things that we can look at, is how the environment, for example, will interact with people. Um, most of my work in, in recent years has been the study of infrasound, low-frequency sound, mm-hmm. and, the, and how it relates to the paranormal experience. Yeah, Karen, Karen's doing a lot with that too, isn't he? Uh, yeah, Karen and I work, work quite closely together on it. Um, okay. Now, we know from, from experiments that we've undertaken, uh, singly and jointly, that infrasound will only affect around about a third of the, pop- of the general population. So the people who are affected by infrasound um, will, will report paranormal-like experiences if those, if those infrasound events take place while they're in a haunted house, because infrasound on its own... Is, is not an ex, uh, you know a, a universal explainer, right? Um, so two thirds of the people will be denied that experience. Mm-hmm. Now it's the same with with, for example, the way electromagnetics will impinge upon the human brain. It won't affect everybody's brain in necessarily the same way. Um, and so certainly that, that, that's how we can approach answering some of those questions uh, as to why some people will have an exp- a personal experience and, uh, and more people tend not to have a personal experience. Right. Um, by looking at the, the environment, how it interacts with, with the witness, how it interacts with the group of people that are there, um, and look for those differences that we can actually measure. We can't measure necessarily the subjective human experience, but we can measure uh, how the environment is interacting with people. Mm-hmm. And, and I, can understand, I can understand that because my own personal hearing... I have trouble with really high, high, high frequency, what? and very, and very, shut up, Ron, and very, <laughs> very low, and and like my friend Mike, EVP oh, Mike, low. is always telling me you're EVP impaired. <laughs> you just are, <laughs> because he'll say you don't hear that real low, low voice, and I'm like, nope, and I and conversely, very high. I just, I can't. I I don't have that range of hearing, you know. 
And so, you know, not everybody is the same. It's, no. It's just a fact. Not everybody is affected in the same way by... Right by not just sound but by light i mean i can go into a building that's cold it's damp it's full of bats it's it's your (laughs) archetypal haunted house Mm -hmm. and i'm not affected because it's a normal environment for me now so i'm comfortable Mm -hmm. Uh, right right but you could take somebody else on their first visit and they're going to have a lot of terrifying experiences The, the, the very fact that they're in such a typically haunted looking location will will switch on their fight and flight system uh, to such an extent that any slight movement or any slight noise will have them out out the door and away up the field Um, and so you know we've got the way the environment's reacting with people we've got their own conditioned response we've got expectation we have belief we have a whole raft of factors that we have to sift through Um, and that's why i think it's important that we concentrate on on, on trying to deal with those issues rather than, and as I say, I was very pleased to have done the work last year that finally, hopefully, at least for some people, stuck a neat little pin into those annoying little balls of light that float around. <laughs> I mean, it, it also comes right down to the other aspect of human nature, which is beliefs. I mean, whether it's a religious belief, a spiritual belief, or no belief, you know, that uh, life doesn't go on, there is no life after death, uh, versus, yes, you're going to go on. I mean, someone will, you know, be affected by, for instance, like a healing mass, for instance, in in the Catholic Church. You go into a healing mass, and and people will be cured. And why, why are they cured? It really doesn't matter, does it? I, we used to, I, myself and a colleague in Parascience used to host a radio show with a phoning, uh, rather like this, but for the for the BBC up in the north of England, mm-hmm. and we would regularly get calls from from people uh, who would describe their spiritual experience. A, a recently deceased loved one had returned and had given them some words of comfort. Right now. It would be relatively easy, having listened to their experience, there were, in, in, in a lot of cases, sufficient information for us to say, well, here is the most likely situation, this is what happened and it's mundane. But that would have been extremely wrong, and I believe almost unethical, because these people had gained a great, a great deal of comfort um, and and added well-being from the fact that they knew that Aunt, Aunt Flossie had, had passed over to the other side and was, was, way, was well and was safe and all was lovely. Right. Um, and to disillusion those people would have been completely the wrong thing to have done. Really cruel, but what, yeah. But what we do have to guard against are the, the sort of expanding market of mediums, psychic helplines, who say, well, if you give me... Uh, $60 an hour, I will <laughs> talk to your dead relatives, I will tell you your future, I will, I will offer you guidance on your love life, uh, uh-huh. we have psychic television right. programs doing the same. That, that to me, is, is the worst form of, um, I think the words that, that Houdini used was hucksterism. Hucksterism. Because there, what you are doing is exploiting a basic human human intra, uh, weakness in others for your own personal gain. Now, I, I, hate, I, I hate to tell you this, but this goes now beyond mediums. 
uh, I received a call today from the ghost line and about a lady who uh, has believes that she has a haunted house, and she contacted other groups, and they were actually going to charge her money to investigate her house. So it's now gone beyond mediums. It's now going on to the paranormal investigator as well. Uh, the paranormal investigators are every bit as bad in many cases as the mediums. Um, groups that claim to be not-for-profit. Um, oh, yeah. We, we know of groups over in the UK, for example, who will charge four, £500 for an investigation, and then they come back and say, well, we'll have to get our group's medium or demonologist. They're, they're a growing, <laughs> that's a growing um, Oh, are they profession. really? Oh, demonologist? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Facebook today had several ad- uh, number of adverts from an American paranormal group just setting up, wanting uh, a resident demonologist to contact them because they needed one for the group. Um, <laughs> good rates of pay. There you go. But these groups, they say, yeah, well, yes, we've got, you've got a haunted house. Um, you, you need, uh, only us can come and help you with it, and that'll be another £500, please. Oh, my God. Um, and people are desperate because you're dealing with people who generally don't have a great deal of knowledge about the subject. The limited amount of knowledge that they do have is often gained from television right. or worse, from um, magazine media. Uh, I don't know if you have them in, in, in America, but we have quite a few over here. Uh, Fate magazine and Take a Break magazine. And they all have psychic agony ants and horrific stories of mm-hmm. demons and ghosts and people being attacked by these uh, entities. Wow. And people, people will... You're dealing with somebody who's, who's vulnerable, mm-hmm. who may be bereaved, who right. really doesn't understand what's happening... Mm-hmm. And they call in an expert, and the, the expertise is really based upon the fact that the person says I'm an expert. Right. Um, disgusting. And they're wide open. They're wide open to exploitation by people who claim to be mediums, naturally gifted psychics, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm a, you know, expert ghost hunters, expert demonologists. They're just wide open. They're oh, my God. Very, very vulnerable. Can you believe that? Time's up. Oh, I thought the pizza was here. Yeah, the door, yeah. Oh, pizza? <laughs> Did you order pizza again? <laughs> not for Absolutely. me, but this time of night. Morning. <laughs> Steve, we have been talking with Steve Parson from the UK, and uh, we really want to thank you for staying up so late for us guys up here yeah. in the uh, States. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Well, go Especially, Sons, especially we if we did, what we? we did for you in the revolution and all that, you know. Oh! <laughs> Yeah, how are, how are the colonies, by the way? Uh, it's not working out like we planned, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve, uh, you want to give out your website again, please? Because I'll yeah, push it up. Um, I'll give you two. It's www.parascience.org.uk, or you can check out what Kieran and I do with our online courses at www.parascope.co.uk. So those online courses that someone from the U.S. could take one of those, correct? Uh, Absolutely. They're uh, going online from the end of July. That would be Paravision, Paracoustics, which looks at obviously EVP, um, Ghostology, and Measuring and Monitoring. Plus, of course, you've got Kieran's uh, main courses on parapsychology. And I I understand you have a, a new one, How to Avoid Ron. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no. Avoidrod.com? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Steve, we want to thank you so much. You've really been no, awesome. Been it's a great conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much, Steve. It was very, very interesting. Okay, we got to wrap it up. And uh, I guess, oh, one thing I do want to add uh, for the Friends of Portsmouth Lighthouse, we are doing uh, ghost tours there once again this Saturday. Um, at, uh, I think the 8 o'clock tour is gone. I think we have the 7 and 10.30. I don't know. You can go to the website or go to my Facebook page, uh, thefriendsofportsmouth.com, or go to Ronald Kolick on Facebook and friend us there or me there, or definitely friend us at Ghost Chronicles Next Generation, right, Ann? Absolutely. Yes. And uh, all the money for that goes directly to the preservation of the lighthouse, so which is, you know, a cool deal. Awesome. Very awesome. Anything you would like to add there, sweetheart? I just, you know, like to say have a great night, everybody, and uh, thank you for your wishes, those who know me, and have a great rest of your week. Yep, and I'd like to say goodbye to Michelle, Leslie, Lorraine, Cal Cooper, Mike, Bob, Leslie, uh, who did I forget, everybody? Mike. John, uh, Linda, <laughs> Lorraine, <laughs> and all the rest of the group in the chat room, and until next week. Yes. Yeah. Have a great week and God God bless. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-legged beasties, such a monster.